0: You're listening to Resurrection Life Podcast with your hosts, Father Steve Mattson and Richard Budd, the podcast of the Church of the Resurrection in Lansing, Michigan. In today's episode, we talk about Pride Month. We hear a reflection on the discernment of spirits, and we hear a poem by Joseph Matthias, State Bird. Welcome to Resurrection Life Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Resurrection Life Podcast. This is your host, Richard Budd, and with me, as always... Father Steve. How are you, Father? I'm doing well.
1: Yeah? I'm, I'm, I'm tempted not to talk about the weather, but it is such a it beautiful nice day out. today. It is. Nice. Right? It was very hot earlier. It was, but uh, thanks be to God that uh, I was talking to the students about uh, finishing out the school year and uh, how I, I love... Snow days, but we're not going to have any more. We can be mm-hmm. sure of that. There's no more snow days. I mean, exactly. I, I, I trust this, this season. With uh, God, all things are possible. Right. <laughs> we live but, in Michigan. But the, the flowers are out, the, the trees are in full bloom. Is the, there air
0: conditioning in the school?
1: Thanks to a, a benefactor there oh, he okay. is. Uh, just window units that- Yeah, yeah, still. I remember the days, days when there oh wasn't air
0: conditioning in yeah. school and this time of the year was,
1: was brutal. Yeah, the, the first, actually, I think it's almost hard. It's hard after, uh, there's already a stir craziness in the school in May and uh, that hasn't been a challenge. But in the fall, it's actually worse because we're in, we begin in August. Mm-hmm. These are the dog days of summer
0: and it's hot.
1: But so that, that, that gift from... Uh, and my mother benefits. never let
0: us wear shorts to school because school was not a place to relax. It was a place to study. And so you're going to wear pants at school. Wow. Well, uh, I'm grateful that we're
1: able to do that. There's a season <laughs> when they can do that at the beginning of the year yeah. and at the end of no, the year. No, that was... I'm not I'm not And, and I'm grateful that we don't have that all was the my mother's in, their, in their in their ties, <laughs> oh, right? Uh, yeah. So they can wear polo shirts and, and uh, uh, anyway...
0: Uh, so, by the time this comes out, the school year will be over exactly um, any reflections on this past year this was our this was our first our family's first uh, year in the school
1: you know it it was wonderful to be able to have a full year without really any kind of interruption mm-hmm. um, the the students uh, i'm just struck by how even though they admit, and I acknowledge that they get distracted. They're well-behaved at Mass. They enter in Mm -hmm. and they engage. Uh, Yesterday, uh, in the singing of the Regina Chaley, Mm. so we're just finishing up, and that's going to be the last time we'll do that after Mass this year, Mm -hmm. Uh, it just fills my heart with joy to hear the little children singing. And uh, I've been in a lot of schools, and that cannot be taken for granted. There is something about the the spirit of this place. This past Wednesday, we had the graduation of a great class, class of 22, middle school graduates mm-hmm. from resurrection. And uh, uh, we had some problems with the uh, diplomas. And so uh, Jacob Allstott, the principal was, was reprinting those, and we didn't have them out during mass. We have mass, then graduation. And I was just saying to the servers, none of whom was in eighth grade, I said, we can't find any, uh, uh, we, we don't have the diplomas. And then A.J. Gates, who's going to be a sophomore at Lansing Catholic next year, said, well, maybe they just need to stay another year. <laughs> and I mentioned it to the kids, I said, we could do that. And we, you've been such good leaders in the school. Yeah. And it. it uh, I'm just humbled by seeing the partnership between families and school staff and parish staff, uh, that we really are establishing a community that helps families help their kids become saints and get to heaven.
0: Yeah, I was really struck with the, the w- at least, it's hard to see as a first year parent that something has developed, but I, from my perspective, it had developed this year, uh, the, um, the music uh, in mm-hmm. the school. The Skola is new, correct? That's right. So Gwen, uh, Christian. Yeah. We need to have Gwen on here. Yeah, we should. Um, But even you mentioned the singing of the Regina Chaley. As our family kind of night prayers, we we always sing a song. And so during Easter, we've been singing the Regina Chaley. And I've noticed that my daughter, Eleanor, has learned it faster than the the other kids because Mm -hmm. she's been singing it at school as well. That's right, yeah, yeah. So just the fact that she's picking up the kind of this treasury of catholic uh art and uh and tradition
1: and it was it was, it was wonderful we we had the make rounding uh, at the saturday anticipatory mass uh, on the 14th and maybe we talked about it last time uh, i can't remember what we talked about last on the podcast sorry sorry <laughs> listeners uh, i should be able to keep track of this better but uh um, uh it it was it was glorious and uh We've got students from the school and also from the parish who are part of the the Shamrock School. Though,
0: so, and it's making um, the the work that the school is doing is, is is making an impact not only within the parish community, but it's starting to get recognition outside the parish community. The diocese came and did a whole video, video mm-hmm. on the uh, the development of the music program. So I think it's something that we should be proud of in our, in our parishes, that we're, we're teaching our children Catholic music and what yeah, that, and, what and that I, is.
1: Yeah, and the point there, I, I think that's absolutely right. And there is a healthy pride that we can mm-hmm. take in accomplishment. Sure. Uh, parents can take that pride in, in their children and uh, entities, institutions, uh, the fruit of their labors and their work. Uh, that is a, a fitting way to take uh, pride which is really about acknowledging God's gifts and His grace in helping us use those gifts rightly. Mm -hmm. We're recording this in June, which is, uh, you can't help but have noticed. It's a month of the Sacred Heart, right? It's a month of the Sacred (laughs) Heart, which I think is exactly what we ought to think of it as, Mm -hmm. but it's now Gay Pride Month. And Mm -hmm. there's so many days through the year of all these LGBT awareness, et cetera, there's something twisted about this. You know, we had uh, the musical, um, the play slash musical uh, called The Technicolor Promise. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the rainbow is the sign to Noah and to all humanity of God's promise to us. And, uh, you know, one of the things that has saddened me is to see how in your face this movement has become and, and to see, frankly, how What was a beautiful flag? I mean, the rainbow flag, uh, I remember being in Italy and seeing pace. So mm. it was a movement toward peace mm-hmm. in in Italy. And then it got co-opted here without the pace uh, for LGBT. Probably it started as LGB, right? A lesbian, gay, bi, and it keeps growing, as it were. And uh, But now we've got chevrons coming in on the left and all of the different... Uh, quasi, um, you know, n- newly created genders, a gender, pansexual—they all have their own, frankly, ugly flags, mm-hmm. and and I, uh, this pride that they are celebrating. I think it started with please accept us mm-hmm. tolerate us treat us with human dignity which is exactly which is what way, we want which is exactly yeah. what we want that's what the catechism says but there's a sense of in your faceness uh of lgbt especially the the parades which there really has to be a warning to families who mm-hmm. want to show love mm-hmm. because this is granting kind of an excess in your face, going against the cultural norms. And so I grieve that we have a month of that, Mm -hmm. uh, but your point is well taken. The Sacred Heart of Jesus is the answer to that disorder and every other disorder that you or I or anyone else.
0: At the end of the day, I mean, each human heart is longing to be um, desired by God and to be loved by God. And that's what the Sacred Heart of Jesus is that's is right. all about. It's, um, you know, when, when Christ appeared to St. Margaret Mary to reveal kind of the devotion to his Sacred Heart, you know, the context of that time was the um, Jansenists. That's right. And so these were the people that were treating religion... Or treating themselves as like very unworthy. That's right. So that's Bring why I, themselves up. We we they couldn't go to communion. That's, that's why right. we have the, the the law that you have to go to communion at least once a year. I always kind of chuckle at that I'm like, who needs that law? Right. And, um, but Christ appeared to show that that truth from Scripture that God is love. And so when we hear you know phrases like love is love and um, and things like that, we need to be rooted. In divine love first, and what god 's love for us is about, um, so that our loves can be ordered uh, love just like anything else can become twisted and disordered um, well and, and it does it does maternal love paternal love can mm-hmm, be twisted exactly uh, yeah i'm talking every, generally.
1: Every, every love can be twisted and, and it can be
0: lust it can excess be or defect control it could be um you know, in the case of, uh, you know, situations where there's abuse, the, the woman might not leave the situation cause she loves the guy, you know, who's abusing her. Like love can get twisted. And so focusing on the sacred heart helps us to maintain, um, order in our loves. Um, so as we kind of go through this next month of, of, of pride month, I think that's, that's really where we should be kind of directing our our devotion and our love?
1: What is, what is love? Thomas Aquinas, St. Thomas Aquinas gives us a, a great, uh, as he's wont to do, uh, understanding of it. Uh, love is the effective willing of the true good of the other as other. Mm-hmm. So it's effective, it's not just a sentiment, it's not uh, emotion, uh, though it can. Ha- their emotions are often sure. attached to it so it's an effective willing it's an action it's active it's a, it's a decision effective willing of the true good of the other as other i don't i don't love you so that you'll love me back or or because i or get something out get of it out, yeah. right so uh, i'm loving you and, and this is where the pseudo-compassion of our current times, and even within the church, frankly, there are some bishops and priests who would say, it's so hard. Uh, we, we've talked before offline about uh, Father James Martin and the excesses and you know, saying things like, we need to have our LGBTQ saint as if that was a reason for celebration. I think it's Doubtless that there are saints already in the, the, uh, uh, the heavens uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that dealt with same-sex attraction and integrated their sexuality by God's grace. But that's what is required. Mm-hmm. There is no, this is just the way I am. You mm-hmm. said kind of love is love. That's a talk. Uh, well, the fact is all of us are broken, wounded, and the Lord wants to heal. We can't celebrate any kind of disordered desire. Whatever it is, if it's greed, it cannot be celebrated. Mm -hmm. Uh, We need to come before the cross, see what true love looks like, and let the Lord, through his sacred heart and divine mercy, which is really two ways of seeing the same Mm -hmm. image, uh, let him heal us. I mean, the challenge that we've got is how we deal with a culture where this is... In your face, we need to love and yeah. show love. It yeah. isn't about demonizing, but well,
0: it, well that's you, I think you're hitting the nail right on the head there because the difficulty of engaging this topic, this question, in the wider culture, or in my experience in in engaging with um, with individuals, is that the assumption is if you don't agree with this set of principles. That means automatically means that you're hateful, and um, or, or phobic or phobic.
1: I mean, these are this is the this is the uh, language. That and quite
0: they're... frankly, going on you know sites like Twitter or Facebook when the, these topics come up, I could see how an individual would come up with that solution uh, that conclusion because a lot of Christians don't do a good job of extending love and compassion to the individuals that. Um, that suffer. Um, but, um, this is where the difficulty is. We have to be able to preach the truth, but in a way that is not combative, not, um, demonizing, not scapegoating. We have to be able to preach the truth as, as our Lord did, um, with compassion and, and always a willingness to, to, um, invite the person into, into truth itself as well. Yeah.
1: And I, and I think the, I remember a a really powerful preacher who said he preached like a lion and he was compassionate like a lamb in the confessional, right? And I think we actually have to realize that proclaiming the truth in a time of great confusion uh, and uh, really a slipperiness within uh, the church— all Christian believers, to tolerate more and more, this is just the way they are. There needs to be a clear proclamation of the truth. Now, whether that needs to happen on a Sunday or in some other context, we need to be clear about that and at the same time say, but those who struggle with that are our brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. and have human dignity and that there is hope for them, Mm -hmm. for healing and for integration. I'm not Please don't hear me say, pray away the gay. But the fact is, I know that disordered desires of different kinds can be healed through the Lord's transformative grace. Mm -hmm. And I've talked with people who have experienced that. There is... uh, But the, the challenge for everyone is to deal with whatever their temptations, whether those are sexual temptations or other kind of temptations, and acknowledge that we can't live a holy life on our own, but we need recourse to grace and sacraments and also to fraternity. What do we desire? You you said love. Mm -hmm. We need to have men who are dealing with same-sex attraction need to have chaste relationship with other men. Mm -hmm. Women who are uh, drawn to same-sex relationship need to have healthy, chaste relationship with other women. We long for connection, Mm -hmm. but there's a weakness in us that gets twisted and it becomes sexualized, yeah. and uh, so we need to speak the truth without compromise, but also reach out with compassion to those who are struggling and have resources that are available. Courage and encourage is a ministry. Uh, Desert streams, living waters, is a ministry.
0: Eden invitation uh, is, a, is exactly a one. There's, mm-hmm. there's,
1: a, there's a lot of these ministries, and again, this is not us demonizing anybody. But the idea that ontologically some people just are LGBTQIA+, it should seem absurd on its face, especially when I can say today I'm a man, tomorrow I'm a woman, right? Mm -hmm. How can you have an ontological status that is so fluid as that? So I think we need to speak the uncomfortable truth in small conversations and not say, well, the church will get to get with the times eventually. Mm-hmm. No, we have to be the antidote to the time. There are some, I think, even in the church. Sorry, I'm going on a little soliloquy here, but <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> uh, I, I, I worry. Uh, and, and you may be worried out there, whoever may be listening to us, that the church is somehow gonna change her teaching on this. She can't, she just can't. It might for a season be really confusing just as it was in the Aryan controversy time. We're dealing with modernism here, a a temptation to get with the times and to be uh, compatible with the, the philosophical presuppositions and ideological commitments of the progressive left. That's a push, a trend. And it may seem to be rising to ascendancy but it can't in the long run because yeah. the truth is the truth and it is unchanging.
0: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, Jesus Christ, God, the father, the Holy spirit, they love everyone just as they are. However, God never wants to leave us just as we are. That's right. Um, so it's not just the the person who is dealing with uh, same sex attraction. It's not just the person who is dealing with body dysmorphia. Uh, it's the the person who's dealing with um, avarice, and the person that's dealing with with, with anger and and, and
1: with bitterness, yeah. unrepentant. I mean, just unforgiving heart.
0: God wants all of us. That's right to uh, submit to His uh, the fires of His love to be purified in it, because ultimately Jesus came to divinize us and to bring us into his life. And for that to happen, you have to change.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's right. You know, one of the things that, that Father James Martin, when he, when he talks about this very fact, that, that somehow preachers single out uh, homosexuality, I, I call BS on that. Yeah. It's just not true. How many preachers ever touch this third rail of human sexuality in a homily? I just... I. seriously Mm -hmm. let's not pretend that these people are powerless and uh, right now the structures in our culture seem to be almost upside down if you claim to be one of these marginalized groups you have social and cultural power now Mm -hmm. that it it, we're talking in power terms but that's what uh Father James Martin does. He says, they are marginalized, therefore we need to privilege their voice. Well, what's happening to our children? I mean, what happened down in, in, and I don't wanna go on the the political rant, but what happened in Florida with that law about parental Mm -hmm. rights is, let's protect the innocence of children. They're not discovering that these four or five-year-olds are transgender. No, they're planting in their minds confusion, and that's evil. I'm yeah. just gonna name it, it's evil. Now, I'm not saying that everyone who deals with uh, gender dysphoria or deals with same-sex attraction is evil, but there are some who want to undermine the very heart of society, the very core of society, which is the human family. And planting doubts and confusion in their hearts is gonna, they're reaping the, the, the wind, they're gonna, or they're, they're sowing the wind, they're gonna reap the whirlwind. And I think some of them want it, not to a man, not to a woman, uh, but I, we need to speak the plain truth, lovingly, but clearly, and uh, and pray for conversion of hearts. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's very hard to. I mean, there's so much effort to to not. I mean, you see it with the with the abortion debate as well. To um, not speak truthfully about what the other side is saying. I and, and quite frankly, I see both sides doing it. They twist the words of the other. But like this this law down in Florida that you mentioned, you know, it was all you can't even like Don't say gay. Yeah. You can't don't say gay or if you have a kid in a class with two dads, he can't say that he's gay. That wasn't in the bill. It was That's like true. you can't have it as part of your curriculum to teach kids about sex. And so, um, you know, from K to three, uh, third grade. And so uh, it was really not that unreasonable of a law unless those are the prime years to try to... Uh, well, I
1: don't, know if you, I don't know if you saw Bill Maher, and I'm not a big fan of Bill Maher, but he, he was talking about the fact that with this doubling every generation, everybody's going to be LGBT in 2056. Mm-hmm. We're all going to be gay then, yeah, which is absurd. But there is a, a grooming effect of these people... And that's why we have to say, no, I'm not going to, at my business, fly a flag just to to tip a hat to those patrons who might feel affirmed by that. Uh, No, they are affirmed as a human being, not because they happen to identify with a certain kind of lifestyle. I think for us to lovingly, clearly hold our ground, come what may, come whatever may, is vital for us in this time. This is a spiritual battle. The evil one loves what's happening to our culture and around the world, that the, the old ways, the old customs, the old traditions, uh, the idea that there is the, a best structure for raising children, a mother, a father married with children. That's the best way to raise children, full stop. Mm-hmm. To pretend otherwise is to deny that we are made in a particular way. Male and female, mm-hmm. he created them. And so I think for us to just point to that, not, not in, in a bad way, but, but to live that as well, to be the light. But there are times when we need to speak up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I encourage the, the people of the parish and anyone who might be listening to say, uh, you know, where's your flag? I don't want to seem to be supporting an ideology that that mm-hmm. flag represents.
0: Yeah, I mean, any individual who... Um, may identify or experience the the things that we're talking about today is more than welcome at Resurrection Parish. Absolutely. Um, but if you come to Resurrection Parish, you're going to be challenged to live a holy life just like the rest of us are challenged day to day and week to week to live a holy life.
1: Absolutely. And, so, and I think if, if people wonder why, uh, you know, the church focuses on human sexuality, it's because the world focuses on homosexuality I mean, if, if there's anything that is radically obsessed about its human sexuality and identity mm-hmm. and my self-definition. I create my very gender, my my very sex, this idea. So this is the twisting. So and we to, are focused on love, not mm-hmm.
0: sex. And not to mention, I mean, just to speak broadly here, uh, since I'm the director of marriage and family life, I, I <laughs> think a lot about these issues at the diocese. Um, the reason why the church cares so much about sexuality is... At the at its core, uh, what it is, it is the closest that we come uh, in a natural way to participating in God's work of creation. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, of course, the church is going to care about this thing that brings us so close to God. Um, and so the, and and to call us Maitland female beyond the
1: the passions mm-hmm. into its real meaning and its truth, which is what Saint yeah. John Paul the Great talked about in the Theology yeah. of the Body.
0: And so, um, self-gift. Yeah, um, you know, you talked about the best way to raise children as a married mother and father with their children. Um, you know, the the there's been real uh, theological, you know, like kind of high level theology development over the last hundred years or so that the family really is a true expression of the trinity in, in the world in a, in a created sense. And so that's going to drive the devil insane. That's right. The, 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 the human family is an expression of the one he hates the most. And so the human family is going to be something that he hates, mm-hmm. the, the, the devil hates the most. Um, so I think I, I don't think, a good point. That's you it. know, when, when I hear people say the, the church has to get out of my bedroom, I'm like, no, 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 that's precisely where the church needs to be. Um, because that's where you're encountering God.
1: Yeah, the church is teacher, mother and teacher. And uh, the fact is our passions out of control cause us to be more animalistic and selfish than is good for us Mm -hmm. and definitely good for those that
0: we claim to love. And and quite frankly, the the bedroom is where um, one of the sacraments, the seven mysteries of the church are very uh, uh, poignantly... um, Experienced right. between husband and wife, That's so right. the church has uh, a proper place to be in in the bedroom. Yeah. So, I think we've kind of uh, covered what we needed to cover. So, and
1: just to, to kind of circle back to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, Jesus knows the ache and longing of every human heart, and He is the fulfillment of that ache, that longing. Mm-hmm. But he never leaves someone who encounters him as he was or she was. Yeah.
0: Uh, even it, the most holy, his own right. mother, she was very different after she encountered him. That's a good so point. It's, it's, not, good point. Even, it's right. not even about accusing somebody of sin that they it, need to change. It's, yeah, it's,
1: it's, it's more and higher and richer and deeper. Mm. And uh, let's just pray for each other. Pray for especially those who, who feel um, judged, demonized, et cetera, that they would know the love of God. But that they would know Jesus and the
0: truth mm-hmm. that He said, and we believe, sets us free. Amen. All right, that's another uh, week of, um, or I guess we're not every other, or we're not every week. So another episode. And it's,
1: it, it's it's kind of, it's not as regular as it ought <laughs> to be. And we'll try to <laughs> life to get has back been on a little the, bit yeah, crazy that's right, that's right. on my side. So yeah. uh, uh, good to talk with you, way, Rich, man. as always. Yeah, you too, Father. God bless. God bless you.
0: The Christian life is meant to be lived out in the power of the Holy Spirit. However, there are a number of different ways that our enemy the devil can try to stop us from reaching our goal, which is heaven. In the following reflection from Sean O'Neill, we explore the 14 rules of Saint Ignatius of Loyola, which tell us how to identify and navigate the spiritual life, resisting the devil and trusting in God's power
2: to make us holy. The Discernment of Spirits After someone has entered into a relationship with God, they begin a journey that will hopefully end up in heaven. There are many ups and downs in the spiritual life, and learning how to navigate them is a key part of our growth in holiness. When we give our lives to God, we are really saying, I give everything to you, I give everything to you, and want to do your will in all things. Of course, we need to know what God's will is for our lives and how to respond wholeheartedly to it. We will encounter obstacles to God's actions in our life from the world, the flesh and the devil. And learning to identify these and combat them is crucial to our progress in the spiritual life and in the life of virtue. St. Ignatius of Loyola was born in Spain towards the end of the 15th century, and after his dramatic conversion from a life of loose living, he went on to found the Jesuit Order. He was a talented spiritual director and wrote down much of the wisdom he gained about the way the spiritual life works in his so-called spiritual exercises. In those spiritual exercises, Ignatius developed a set of rules or guidelines that help us to discern the action of God and the action of the enemy in our spiritual life and give us strategies for dealing with them. His first set of 14 rules talks about the tactics that are used by God and our enemy the devil to lead us either into holiness and virtue or away from it. If we are moving away from a good way of life, the enemy presents attractions and false comforts to us, while the good spirit nags at our conscience. When we are moving towards God, we find peace and joy, but we are disturbed by the bad spirit who bites us, saddens us and opposes us with obstacles and false reasons. If we are on the right track, most of our spiritual life will fluctuate between consolation from God and desolation from the enemy. St. Ignatius says that consolation occurs when some interior movement of the soul is caused through which the soul comes to be inflamed with love of its Creator and Lord. And he describes desolation as darkness of soul, disturbance in it, movement to things low and earthly, the unquiet of different agitations and temptations, moving to want of confidence, without hope, without love, when one finds oneself all lazy, tepid, sad, and as if separated from his Creator and Lord. Ignatius advises us never to make a change to our spiritual practices during a time of desolation. The only kind of change that helps, he says, is when we increase our spiritual practices. For example, praying more, fasting and doing penance. In fact, it's a good idea to be wary of making any major changes in our lives while we are feeling despondent. When we are in desolation, Ignatius tells us to remember that even though we don't clearly perceive God's presence, he's still there. It's a tactic of the enemy to make us think, when we are in desolation, that it has always been this way and always will be. We should always resist desolation, be patient, and remember that consolation will return again soon. On the other hand, he also warns us not to be complacent when we are in consolation, not to, as he puts it, build a nest in the consolation or take it for granted. Instead, he reminds us that at some point we will experience desolation again, so we should take strength from the consolation we experience at the current time and be humble and attentive to God's movements in our life. The main thrust of Ignatius' advice, whether we are in consolation or desolation, is to trust in God's strength, not in our own weak human strength. Ignatius explains that there are three main reasons why we might experience desolation. The first may be because we have become lazy, tepid or negligent about our spiritual exercises or practices. Are we praying less? Have we fallen away from praying the rosary or going to mass or confession? Have we given up some penance that we had decided to do, like fasting, for example, If so, perhaps that's the reason we are experiencing desolation. The second reason God may allow desolation is to test us, to see how faithful we are when we do not have the comfort of constant consolation. And the third reason is so that we don't become too comfortable or proud or think that we are in control of our spiritual progress. Sometimes God allows desolation to teach us that he is in charge, that all spiritual benefits come from him and are not the results of our stunning levels of sanctity. Ignatius explains the insights he has gained about how the enemy works when he is tempting us to despondency or sin. He says that the enemy is a lot weaker than he appears and will back down and flee if he is opposed strongly. However, if we don't come against him stout-heartedly, or if we lose heart in opposing the temptation, as Ignatius says, there is no beast so wild on the face of the earth as the enemy of human nature in following out his damnable intention with so great malice. Another useful pearl of wisdom that Ignatius conveys to us in his rules is the fact that the enemy would love for us to keep his actions secret. When we are tempted to sin, or even when we do sin, the enemy doesn't want us to tell anyone about it. He doesn't like being exposed. As Ignatius puts it, when the enemy of human nature brings his wiles and persuasions to the just soul, he wants and desires that they be received and kept in secret. But when one reveals them to his good confessor, or to another spiritual person that knows his deceits and evil ends, it is very grievous to him, because he gathers from his manifest deceits being discovered that he will not be able to succeed with his wickedness begun. The enemy of our soul is very crafty and clever. He looks for our weak points and exploits them. Ignatius likens him to the captain of an army who has pitched his camp outside a fort. He stalks round it, looking for weak defences, and when he finds the most vulnerable spot, that's where he attacks. Here's how Ignatius describes our enemy's tactic. The enemy of human nature, roaming about, looks in turn at all our virtues, theological, cardinal and moral, and where he finds us weakest, and most in need for our eternal salvation, there he attacks us and aims at taking us. If you have never come across St Ignatius's rules before, it can seem odd to talk about the spiritual life in such clinical and even military terms. But these rules or guidelines or descriptions have been used fruitfully by thousands of people over the course of centuries and have proved to be surprisingly helpful in equipping people to navigate the spiritual life. Many of us are unused to dealing with God and the enemy in this way. But basically these rules are teaching us a way of relating to God that must have come naturally to Adam and Eve before the fall. When you think about it, it's also how Jesus approached his ministry when he had to deal with the tactics of the evil spirits. Jesus himself tells us to be cunning as serpents and innocent as doves. And these rules of Ignatius equip us to do just that. Let's pray and ask God's help to navigate the spiritual life. Jesus, you gave us your holy spirit and baptism so that we could have the means and the power to lead holy lives. Help us to be wise to detect and combat the work of the enemy in our lives and to be attentive always and only to your voice, calling us to go deeper into your heart of love. Give us the grace to lead a holy life so that in the end we may spend eternity with you in heaven. Amen.
0: We finish this episode with a poem by Joseph Matthias, State Bird.
3: I always enjoy hearing the short, clear phrases of a robin's song when I wake up, or seeing the robins root around for worms on a crisp spring morning. But I also remember very well the first time I saw a Baltimore Oriole. The Baltimore Oriole is a rarer bird in Michigan. It's about the size and shape of a robin, and like the robin, it has a dark back and a reddish-orange breast. But the Oriole's plumage and its song are so much more striking. Everything the robin can do, the Oriole seems to do better. And yet, Michigan is named the robin as our state bird. This sonnet is about the two birds, and how some things are valuable not because they're rare, but because they're common enough to be enjoyed by all. His poem is called State Bird. I'll take the oriole over any robin, the sable-cloaked, flame-hearted vocalist, mulberry connoisseur, whose nest fine-woven scarce bends the slenderest limb on high. But rust is all the robin's garb, a style as common as his drab tunes, and any twiggy lopping in a squat dogwood's crotch does for a nest. Yes, of the two, the oriole is the best. That's how it is. The loveliest things are rare, for the plain things are nearly everywhere, one lone rose for each rash of goldenrod. Or what I most have, do I prize the less and scorn it for its very lavishness? Call nothing common which is given by God.
0: We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Resurrection Life Podcast. Please tune in next time for more conversation, reflections, and Catholic culture. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to drop us a line to give us feedback or suggest future topics to feature, write us at podcast at corelancing.org. You can find the Church of the Resurrection online at corelansing.org. Thanks for listening, and God bless.